This morning I'm going to be beginning a new series of messages that we're going to be doing on worship. What it is that we do when we come into worship together. Calvin University professor Jamie Smith in his book, You Are What You Love, notes that we are all people who worship. Everybody worships. We are created for worship. So the question then is not a question of if you worship, but what you worship. So we'll, we'll take a look at that in these coming weeks as we go through these series of messages. And, and what I'm going to be doing is, is over the, sum, the rest of the summer here, breaking this down by what it is that we do here in church on Sunday. As this is our weekly opportunity to come and worship together, what do we do when we come and gather for worship here together? There, there's this story that maybe you've heard before because it's commonly told. story of a family that gathers for Easter dinner. And dad puts together the Easter meal and he gets the ham out and, and before he puts the ham in the oven, he cuts the ends off the ham and puts it in the roaster pan and slides it in the oven. And one of the children asks, dad, why do you cut the ends off the ham before we cook it? And they said, well, it's the way my dad did it. So that's the way I learned and that's how it goes, right? Well, it's a family meal. So as family starts gathering, grandpa gets there and the child asks, grandpa, so why did you cut the ends off the ham before you put it in the oven? Well, the way my dad did it. That's how I learned how to do it, right? This is how we make the Easter ham. Great-granddad shows up for dinner, and the child asks, great-granddad, why did you cut off the ends of the ham before you slide it in the oven? Well, because back in that day, I had a small roaster pan, and it didn't fit any other way, so that's how we got it in there, but it became a cherished tradition that they continued to carry on, but they lost the purpose and the meaning behind it. I wonder how much of that gets into some of our weekly worship. We have cherished traditions that we carry on, but have we lost some of the purpose or meaning behind it? Because we don't know anymore why it is we do the things that we do when we come into worship. These things all give expression to, to who we are as people called by God to worship Him. But sometimes, Maybe if you've been a person who's gone to church many, many years, we start doing those things over and over again because that's just what we've done over and over again. And when we lose the purpose and the meaning behind it, then, then I think then the default answer to why do we do the things that we do when we come to church, the default answer becomes because that's what we've always done seems like we could do a little better than that. That we'll look at these things and we'll examine again and ask the question, why do we do it that way? Why do we do what we do when we come into church? And hopefully then, hopefully by going back to examine some of those meanings, we've got a little bit more to say about it than simply, that's just the way we've always done it. But we know the reason, the purpose, that these are some traditions that we can hold and cherish, but we know why, the reason why we hold and cherish that. So let's take a look at that. And today I'm going to do that by reading from Psalm 122. Psalm 122, which talks about calling into worship. It says this, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city built like a city that is closely compacted together. 
That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today we look at this psalm that talks about coming into worship, a call to worship. And and that's where I want to begin today. I want to begin by talking about that very first thing that we do when we come into worship together. That first thing we do that we call the call to worship. Maybe that's something that goes right by. I mean, maybe that's something that you've always thought of, well, that's just what gets the service going, right? It's sort of like the introduction or the welcome. No. There's something more going on there in this little thing that we do every single Sunday that begins our worship time together that we call the call to worship. It says a couple of things. It says, first of all, that worship is something that comes to us as a declaration. It is a declaration. A declaration that God decrees it to be so. If, as I've mentioned, that Jamie Smith writes in his book that we all worship something because we are created to worship, then God, in his word, calls us that the worship that we are created to give and bring is worship that should be directed to God because he has said so. He's made it that way because he is the creator and we are his created people. It comes in many forms then. In the psalm that I read today, some of these various actions of worship show up through that call, doesn't it? It begins with that invitation. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But then it talks about, talks about the city of Jerusalem. Because remember, in those days, in the days of the people of Israel, Jerusalem was where the temple was. The temple is where God would dwell. So they spoke of the city of Jerusalem as the dwelling place of God. So rather than a description about the city, which is what it appears to be in this psalm, it's a description of the dwelling place of God and the call to join God there. And it includes things in that invitation such as praising the name of the Lord, praying to the Lord, responding with peace from the Lord. All of those things as part of this declaration, this call to come to worship. But more than a declaration, this call to worship also comes to us as an invitation. An invitation that we have to come before God, because we are part of God's creation. God includes all of creation in this call, this invitation. Right? The psalmist writes elsewhere, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Right? The heavens proclaim the glory of God, that everything that God has made is called to worship him. So this invitation, the invitation that comes for us to join in worship is an invitation where, all right, I know it's just us in this place and those joining us online, but, but it's more than that. 
that we gather in this place as countless other congregations join in other churches as well. And they all gather in their places within a created world that all praises God. The birds that sing when we wake up in the morning, the flowers that open and bloom and show their colors, all of God's creation declares his glory and worship. And you and I are invited to join in with that worship. It's an invitation then that's based upon the creation, not upon anything else. I want to make that distinction. Right? A distinction that maybe says to some people in some minds to think, well, what do I have to do to be able to worship God? Is there something that I need to do or to be to, to merit that invitation, to earn that invitation? Is there something that I need to do or understand in order for my worship to be proper or correct or pure? But God tells us in this beginning act of worship and the call to worship, you know what? Here's the one criteria it takes. God made you in his image. That's it. Because you are made in the image of God, you are called to worship him. There's not anything else that you have to earn or show or prove beyond that. Simply being a creation of God is all that it takes for God to reach out and to say to each one of you, come and worship. Worship God. So we receive that invitation. But that invitation comes with a response. I want you to notice in the call to worship that I gave today. The words that we use to come into worship today, I read at the beginning of the service today from Psalm 95. Here's what it said in Psalm 95 as the call to worship we use today. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Music. It calls for music. But then look what it says next. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Creation. That the psalmist is saying the basis for this call to worship is the creation. You and I are a part of that created universe. Then he goes back to the call again, and he says, Come. Let us worship, bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, the created people. For he is our God. Now it gets personal. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You see how that call to worship works for us. And it comes before us then looking for a response. That when we are called into worship, there's a response there. And the response that we see over and over again is singing. So let's talk about that for a little bit. As part of what it is that when we come together, we do in worship. That we sing together. Music can be such a powerful thing, can't it? Music can express things that words alone don't seem to fully capture. But when you put music to it, it resonates with deeper meaning that pulls at something deep within us. We see this in so many different ways. Songs that we know and love that we reflect upon. 
the way that music can take something and make it so much deeper in that. How many movies are out there where the movie becomes something so much more powerful because there's a soundtrack that gives it that, the music behind it? If you took all of the soundtrack away from a, mus- uh, from a movie like The Godfather, you'd pretty much just be watching people talk, right? And that's kind of what's it. But you put the soundtrack in there, you put the music with it, now there's something deeper, right? There's, there's some feeling and meaning and emotion that pulls through with that. I wonder if it could work the other way around. What if my everyday life could have a soundtrack, Right? All the normal things that I do throughout the day. What if there was music that went with that? If I could get John Williams to compose a score for my everyday life, eating breakfast and brushing teeth and all of that. But if it had music behind it, something more comes out of it. Music can do that, doesn't it? If you go watch a baseball game and you see that the home team is there, you know, they announce the batters that come up. And then, and then the batters, they get the walk-up song. They all get to pick their own little 15 seconds of whatever it is that plays. And that's their thing. And that just adds a little something more to it. When you get the walk-up song for the home team as the batters are going up there. I don't know how many of you, if you're playing Little League, you get a walk-up song? No? You should. Because it adds something to it. In fact, maybe, maybe I should start the sermon with a walk-up song. Right? That as I'm coming up the steps here, that 15 seconds of something that just sets it. Because music can do that, can't it? Music can set something that really pulls us in. And so, rightly so, when God calls us into worship, he calls for a response. And that response that we see over and over again is a response of music, singing, that we respond to God in song. And we do that in so many different ways. That music is a response to God's calling. Music is a response to God's calling. Notice that. God speaks first. That when we come into worship and we do that call to worship, God gets the first word. He goes first. And then we, in music, respond. That our singing is a response to to the God who has called us first, and we respond in song. We do this in so many different ways. We have songs that express so many different things, right? Songs that we use as prayers that directly address God. Songs that we bring in confession before God, expressing our need for him. Songs that sing in thanksgiving to God for what he's done for us. Songs that declare the glory of God by talking about his attributes, his holiness, his grace, his faithfulness, his forgiveness. Songs that tell the story of God, that talk about all of the things that God has done, about the birth of Jesus, his crucifixion, his resurrection. We have songs for so many different things, but they are all responses. Responses that we bring before God. We see how this works in so many different ways. And if you've been a part of a church for a long, long time, maybe you've noticed how this has sort of shifted over the years, but it still remains a response. Let me tell you what I mean by that. By by talking about, I think what we would label as traditional worship and 
contemporary worship. Now, maybe in your mind, when you think of those things, right, when you think of traditional worship or contemporary worship, you think of things like this. Traditional worship, well, well, that's hymns and organs and choirs, right? And contemporary worship, that's drums and guitars and newer songs. But I want us to see beyond that. Those are just forms of music. These are responses to God. Think about how these work then, how music works as a part of our worship that responds to God. That if you were a part of a church a generation or two ago, that traditional worship maybe worked a little bit more like this, that that there was something that we call a dialectic, a dialogue. That the church, the people would talk to God through worship. And it was a back and forth conversation. God speaks, people respond. God speaks, people respond. And the whole service flowed that way. And you would do all those things every week, right? You would have a call to worship and then you'd sing a song. Then you would have a confession and you'd sing a song. Then you would maybe read the law and you would sing the song. And then you would say the Apostles' Creed and you would sing a song. You'd hear the sermon and you'd sing a song. You'd pray and you'd sing a song and back and forth and back and forth. If you grew up maybe in a church like that, or I know there are churches around that still do things like that, that back and forth sort of thing echoes that God speaks, people respond. And the songs, the music, were a response, a response to God. That comes from a time, follow me on this now, that comes from a time when most of the people who would come to church were farmers. So they lived in agrarian lifestyle. And if you were a farmer or you grew up on a farm, you knew how that went. Farm life could be somewhat slow and monotonous. It was hard work. It was not boring, but it measured in seasons. And you would repeat that season over and over and over again, doing the same things over and over and over again, and waiting for the season to take place, plowing the fields, sowing the fields, tending the fields, letting the crops grow, harvesting the fields. That slow, monotonous work that would take place over and over again. Life could be slow that way and repetitious that way. And Sunday morning, Sunday morning was a chance for you to gather and speed things up a little bit. Speed things up by reminding yourself of your place in God's cosmic story, the story of his people revealed in the Bible. So you would go through all of those motions on Sunday that God speaks, people respond. God speaks, people respond. Reminding yourself in that slow, monotonous life of the farm that you are part of something moving in a bigger sense of God's story. Something of that resonated with farmers, people who lived in that society. Most of us are not farmers anymore. I don't know if anyone here is still a farmer. We live in a world now that's a bit different. We live in a world in which, especially for our younger generations, it's not slow, monotonous repetition of the same things over and over. But now it's a world that seems to be changing and developing so fast. So many new things coming along that it feels like we're having to sprint just to keep up. Every year there's a new phone that comes out that I have to learn and know how to use. There's new computer technology I have to learn and know how to use. The jobs that we do are always changing and shifting because of new things coming along that we have to learn and know how to do. 
Everything in our world seems to be changing and adapting and moving so fast. And now, now, Sunday morning feels like that time when instead of speeding up a slow life, you know what? Let's hit the brakes. Let's pause and just stop for a few minutes from a world that's going so fast we can hardly keep up. Contemporary worship, then, still has this God speaks, people respond. But instead of this rapid fire back and forth, we slow it down. I don't know if you've ever noticed or paid attention, but the way that I do liturgy here in this church is is that I usually pick one thing to focus on for a Sunday. So we don't read the law and do the Apostles' Creed and have confession. We don't do all of those things every single Sunday. But I will always pick one. Pick one to say, you know what, for this week, for this time, let's just stop on this one thing. Let's focus on this one attribute. Today it happened to be confession that we did that. And today we did that in a way that echoed that God speaks and people respond. Did you notice that? We started with a call to worship, and then we responded with a song of worship. We had a time of confession And then we responded with a song of confession. But we slow it down on that. We live in a world that's so fast, and often we don't get the opportunity to simply sit and park on one thought, one idea, one theme, and meditate upon that. I see that in the next generation that's coming. I see that in the new generation of worship songs that are out there. Sometimes maybe there's a critique that comes from an older generation of, these songs are so repetitive. They're just repeating the same line over and over again. But that's the cry of the heart of a younger generation that says, can we just stop for a few minutes? And for a few minutes, can we just meditate on God's love or his graciousness or his holiness or his forgiveness? Let's not rush through it, but let's stay with that thought just for a few minutes in that. It doesn't make one right or the other wrong. Right? It, it does not make one more correct than the other, but it is simply God's people continuing to live out that response to his call, that God calls us and we respond together. And we continue to do that. We continue to do that in ways that are faithful to the calling that he's given to us. So however we express that in this wide variety of worship that we experience, because these days you can go to any of the churches down the street and you can find as many different styles of worship that are out there, but they all come together in that expression of God calling us and we respond. And so we show up for worship as an answer to God's call. And we start this worship with this weekly reminder of God calling us. God calling us to come before him as part of his created world, created in his image, as part of his flock, created and beloved by him as part of the answer we bring before God in how we worship So here's the question that I would have for us this week. The question is, we think about the songs that we sing. How are these songs a response to God's calling? 
think about how these songs work and how are they a response to God's calling? In the last church that I served in Colorado, we, uh, we made the move in that church to actually take all of that out of the print bulletins, the, the names of the songs. Our elders decided to do that because in that church we noticed, the elders noticed that as people were coming in and finding a seat and sitting down and chatting together as often they do chatting as they come in and reading through their bulletin and they would see the order of worship and they would see the songs that are coming in and our elders noticed this, that you know what, there were some people in our church who would look at the songs we were going to sing today and then they would make a decision right then and there. Yep, this is going to be a good service or, oh, that song again. Right? There was sort of that judgment that would go into that. So the elders said, what if we just pulled the names of the songs out of the bulletin and they had no idea what was coming? And we could just, you could be in the moment. Here's the next song and we're going to sing it now. That also speaks to the worship director we had in that church who sometimes would like to go on the fly and switch it in the moment. So imagine band if you had a worship director here who did that. Just, or people at the computer having to quick find the lyrics. But it was our way then of saying, you know what? This isn't about what do I like or not like. This isn't about the songs I enjoy or don't enjoy. This is about the response that we bring to God through the words of this music and what this music expresses. So ask yourself that. Think about that. As we come into church and we sing songs together, Look at those words and say, what is this song really expressing? What is the response of this song? Is this song a prayer that directly addresses God? Is this song a confession that declares our need for God and our dependence upon him? Is this song a lament that cries out for the injustices and oppression in this world? Is this song a declaration that speaks of God's holiness his graciousness, his forgiveness. Is this song a narrative that tells the story of God, that shares of what God has done? Pay attention to what those songs are bringing as a response so that as God calls us into this place, we respond together to him. And let that then be a response that moves you from this place, from this moment, from this hour, into a week filled with opportunities to respond to God's calling as he brings it to you. Let that be the thing that teaches our hearts how to respond and sing to the Lord for all that he's done for us. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the way that you reveal yourself in your word to be a God who calls us, calls us before you. And so, Lord, may we respond to that call. May we respond with songs that declare who you are, that remind us that we are yours and that forever cement us and hold us and anchor us within your love and grace that will never let us go. We thank you for that. And may our entire lives then be a response to you for the calling you've placed on us. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.